What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 20 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms while we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read in the show, send an email to readypressplay at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at readypressplay. No matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts, and if you like it, please leave us a nice review. I'm your host, Dan Lima, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Luis Minchaca. It's the calm before the storm. It's yes, it is. Yes, it is. So, uh, for uh, our quick housekeeping today, I'm just going to say that uh, Louis and I have finished the preparations for our Ready Press Play Twitch channel and our inaugural stream of the Ready Press Play Twitch channel. So, if you're listening to this right now, please go to twitch.tv slash readypressplay. You can find the link on the show notes as well. Follow us so that you can see when we go live, which the plan is on June 1st, Monday. So, next Monday after the show posts at around 8 p.m. Pacific time. We're going to be playing A Way Out together. We'll be um, both so. uh, tweeting about it on our personal Twitters as well as the Ready Press Play Twitter, so you'll know when we go live. And uh, it's going to be cool because it's a multiplayer game, and we're going to have both sides of our play, th- our play session and as well as like a little webcam feed of both of us. So it's going to be like as if we're in the same room together. And I think yep. that's going to be like the, like the whole... Um, like the idea behind the Twitch, uh, the Twitch channel is it's going to be us playing together. Yeah, and I'm uh, fairly excited about that. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, Louis, it's going to be the first time that we play a game together. Oh my so I, god! So I wonder how that's going to go. <laughs> yeah, now, that's actually interesting. You're right. Yeah, thankfully. So in the, in the five years that we've known each other, um, and, and granted, we don't know each other really in in person. We we have an online friendship per se, right. and we've had it yeah. for a long time. But mm-hmm. during that whole time, we never uh, we never played games together. So we got close now, with Fortnite a couple of years we ago. We did, we did. <laughs> so I'm I'm both kind of looking forward to it. I also kind of scared, but you know, at least I know that you can't kick me out of my own house, <laughs> or so or so I think. Or so I think. <laughs> wow. Okay, you're really going for those low hanging fruit there. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry about that. that I, I just feel like that's become now part of the Ready Press Play lore, and it has to be brought up from time yeah. to time. You know what I All mean? Right. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> but but, but I, br- I bring it in a good light. I bring it in a in, in, a, in a positive tone, not not in a calling you out or anything. No, no, no. It's fine. I'm not. I'm. I. I it's. It's. I like to pretend that I'm salty about it. You know. It's like. It's like the running joke. You know. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Well, Lewis, what have you? Uh, what have you been playing, dude? You've been playing so, anything other than Fortnite? So I actually <laughs> haven't been playing anything at all. Like I've been very bad. I've been very busy. I had to work on Memorial Day weekend, or uh, you know, in light of the whole coronavirus stuff, which is fine. Uh, it's an extra pay for me. Uh, but mm-hmm. that, on that, withstanding, um, I I actually instead of playing a games, I've actually just been watching like YouTube videos about games that I'm interested in, in playing, which is crazy. Um, because I wanted, I wanted to try out for myself, and I want to have a little mini review and like uh, about like Dragon Ball Fighters um, and like Ultra Instinct Goku. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to talk about the expansion for for Mortal Kombat 11. Uh, but instead, like I just watched all the friendships like on IGN, and I watched uh, <laughs> um, like the review for like the story mode and everything, and the new characters. And I watched uh, some pro uh, gamers play Ultra Instinct Goku and trying them out. And their early early buzz on day just this is purely day one buzz uh, is that he might be broken. Like he just breaks the meta and is just OP as hell, which mm-hmm. and, you know makes sense because I see him do these crazy moves and crazy combos that no other character has. You know he can like he can punish you uh, for 
for doing super moves because he can just kind of like walk through or teleport through and like even even like normal basic projectiles like if you're if ultra instinct goku is walking not dashing just regular walking he will like like bounce off those projectiles with no flinching and no damage taken like it just it's crazy like <laughs> and he's got these crazy mix-ups on mix-ups on mix-ups and these command grabs and i'm like wow um it's it's a uh, touch of death combos were, were were easy to lab out from the looks of it and uh i still have yet to play him but i want i'm very much uh very much um interested in playing it when i when the time when the time comes uh but for now um I've been actually been playing Fortnite because I actually wasn't even planning on playing Fortnite because I was actually happy with my progress. Because uh, I I, th- I told you about how I was doing all those uh, missions to like to get yeah. all the XP and stuff. And so Fortnite was set to uh, the season was set to end this Saturday. And like I think on Monday or Sunday, or my nephew calls me up and he's like, "Hey, I need you to I need you to play uh, Fortnite on my account for me." And I'm like, why? And I'm like, he's like, because I can't play Fortnite. I'm not allowed to. So I'm like, okay, whatever. He's like, get me to leave, uh, get me to level one, level 180. And if you can, 220, because there's skins there. And I'm like, damn. And he's at he's at level 140. And that's like, that's a lot of grinding. So I've been playing a lot of Fortnite, simply just doing his missions. Just damn, so what that a way. good cousin you are. I would have told him to fuck off. <laughs> No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I don't know if any of my cousins listen to this. Probably not. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've been just grinding, and I was actually like uh, playing Fortnite during my lunch and my breaks and stuff, and just trying to like grind out any XP I can get. I actually got a lot of actual solo wins. I've never got a solo win before. Um, that's nice. And well, the thing is, I've been finding is that like on the Nintendo Switch, either the players are worse, or like his settings, or not his settings, his matchmaking profile is just set to you know, matchmake with lower level people. And so I'm just like winning for free and it's crazy. Yeah, we've talked about this in the podcast before, but the the game has changed a lot after they have updated matchmaking and added bots and all that stuff. Like I, I always play... I. I do not play Fortnite that much, just to be clear. The only reason why I mention Fortnite quite often in this podcast is because you do every week, so I kind of want to add something. But the truth is, I've played Fortnite a total of maybe, like, I don't know, I'm a lot less than you, maybe, like, 50 matches or something. Uh, but a good, like, 20 of those were, like, after the, the updates this year. And I will say that, like, before, I would never get usually even close to winning, and I, I always play solo. And after their updates, very often I'll get, like, second place, third place, fourth place, <laughs> and I don't know how because I haven't even played the game that much. So um, the matchmaking has definitely made things in a way to where, like, especially maybe if you're a low-level account or something, the game does feel a lot easier to win. Yeah, um, and I understand why he gets so many dubs. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, I'm playing on PlayStation, and that's where my main account is at. But um, mm-hmm. I was very, I was like, even to this day, like, I was, like, grinding and trying to get, I'm at, like, I got him to level 165, so I got, like, 15 more levels to go and i presumably i would have been able to just you know barely eek past the finish line and make it to saturday mm-hmm. to get him to 180 because that's the he does at least want that at minimum um and i'm just glad that they uh they just out of nowhere they just uh, extended it for another seven days and just it's now next saturday on the 6th the new uh season two chapter two season two is gonna hit and uh it gives me time to relax and not like lose sleep trying to get his uh his uh, levels up so yeah yeah since you mentioned i'll bring up this uh quick story from brian sheet game informer epic games has announced a one-week extension to fortnite chapter 2 season 2 in preparation to launch season 3 the season which began in february will now give away to chapter 2 season 3 on june 11th to signal the transition fortnite will host a one-time only live event called the device on saturday june 6th at 2 p.m Eastern Time. This event is set to progress the game's story and will only happen one time, so Epic Games recommends you arrive 30 minutes early since space will be limited. 
Damn. Prior to the prior to the event and the start of the new season, you can still complete your battle pass challenges to lock in appearance choices for several characters, including Brutus, Midas, Diantina, and Meowskulls. Once the new season begins on June 11th, the battle pass characters' appearances are locked in. So yeah, are you excited for whatever this uh, new season is going to be? Are you are you going to be tuning in to the the event on June 6th? I'm, if I do, I'm I'm a, I'm a bad guy because I'm working, and uh, <laughs> if I probably I may do it while I'm at work. I don't know. Uh, Maybe I can if it's at one p.m. Actually, you know what? No, I can. I think I can do it because if it's at one p.m. p.m., I can probably take my lunch hour at that time. So yeah, um, right. I'm very. I, I don't know. Like I just kind of wish that like I didn't have to like rush to do these uh these challenges because like I'm at my my main account is at one forty and I don't I don't I hope that I can still get those skins even after the season ends like. Because that would suck if I can't get those dope like gold skins. Basically, uh, just to give you like the long story short is after you get to tier one level one hundred, you know you get all your skins and everything. But then there are like these bonus skins that aren't like readily like it. The game doesn't explicitly tell you. You kind of sort of have to like see it for yourself, kind of thing. But basically, um, these skins they turn your character into like solid gold. So you're running Mm -hmm. around being golden. And, um, that's, that's all it is. It's, it's a, it's a cosmetic on a cosmetic. It's a skin, it's a cosmetic on a skin you already have. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of stupid. I kind of wish I could just get it next season, but whatever. Oh, I don't well. know. I'm sure there's going to be something else that you can get next season and next that season is true. only. Because <laughs> that's, that's the whole point of it is to just keep you playing, right? True, <laughs> true. All right. So I, I've been playing not a lot either. Um, in fact, like I have, even though I've continued to play the same games that I've talked about last week i don't really have any significant new updates i i played shadow of the colossus a little bit more killed another colossus but that's about it i played <laughs> <laughs> yeah like i played half-life some more on stream i believe i'm probably more than halfway through the game now the game's relatively short um and i think the game is like pretty enjoyable still like i'm kind of surprised I, I think it holds up as far as enjoyment factor even though it doesn't in uh like graphical fidelity or anything like that i do think it's kind of nostalgic looking um so that's cool and i it, it did make me wonder like we, we see so many games that are uh taking advantage of pixel art nowadays and specifically like retro inspired pixel art like shovel knight and celeste and things like that and i wonder if any games are going to start tapping into that early 3d style as a nostalgia trap uh sometime soon too uh but i don't know i don't think people look at that in the same way that they do look at pixel art um but i was just thinking yeah. it would be interesting if you saw like a new modern game coming out on the ps4 that looked like an n64 game or something um mm. i wonder if people would be into that for the retro factor or if they would just be like not into it maybe give um, it five years i don't know maybe the, yeah, the correct yeah. generation needs to grow up or something yeah perhaps uh but yeah that's it i don't i don't really want to like make myself talk much about it because i don't really have that much to say about it as of now well um, you saw uh, i watched your live stream when you were playing half-life you seemed like a little flustered at times um i don't know if it's maybe because you were tired or yeah you just keep on getting like one like these like cheap ass kills on you with these lasers or something that's a good point <laughs> so uh i was pretty tired the last time i was playing it and then uh, i was getting quite frustrated from just like dying over and over again in certain points and there's certain things that I feel like you just don't really have to do in those kinds of games anymore that I've kind of got used to not having to do such as um, like platforming in a certain way, like like having to like be careful about your platforming so that you make the jump right and you don't like fall off the edge and things like that. Like you do that in a game like a modern like Mario platformer or something, but you don't do that in a a first person. Yeah, Yeah, in like a first person game. Right. And then. Yeah, game design also, these days is all about like jetpacks and wall running and stuff so you don't have to worry about falling to e- your exactly death. so like yeah like that's very different and then just things like 
yeah, like getting surprised by like monsters showing up out of nowhere and then dying and then just kind of having to keep that in your head, like the kind of the trial and error sort of uh, progression systems. Like I know people complain about that a lot with the recent Donkey Kong games, but I thought it was fine there. Um, but yeah, just like in some games, like things are very telegraphed to you. So you always know like kind of where when to expect an enemy. And in some ways, Half-Life does that. But every once in a while, there's that kind of weird like sort of cheap like you you turn the corner and there's yeah like something's there and then kills you immediately and things along those lines and then you just got to do it again as Um, a viewer i was a little uh like annoyed with the red alarm beep when you were at low health as well oh yes yes that's a good point i'm glad you helped me remember these things a little i I just kind of blocked them out it it was a long day and then i just kind of went to sleep right after that stream um but uh thank you for tuning in and thank you to everybody that's been tuning in tuning in to either uh mine or lewis streams uh it's 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 not a lot of you guys but whenever you do we appreciate it so thank you for that um yeah lewis uh so a new state of play focused on the last of us part two came out recently i know you watched it i didn't watch it so i've kind of adopted like especially after the spoilers started uh becoming an issue i kind of told myself you know what i'm just i'm just gonna go as blackout in this game as I can. I already know I'm going to play it and, and probably love it anyway. I love the first one. It's my most anticipated game of the year. So let me just try to do something which I don't often do, which is I muted everything Last of Us related from my Twitter feed. I've been ignoring pretty much all the stories that's been coming out. If I see like a Last of Us headline, I try to not, not read it, not click on the story and things like that. I'm just kind of staying away from it. And so when I saw the state of play drop, um, I saw, I could tell that like a lot of people were talking about it and that it was kind of a big deal uh, to some extent, I guess. Um, but I, I chose not to watch it. So why don't you give me your, your opinions of it? So, I mean, obviously when you're, if you're already sold on the game, uh, the state of play doesn't already like, doesn't make you, yeah. you know, want to buy the game even more. I think if anything, it just kind of like, just teases you, uh, like very, like, like very in a mean mean spirited way because that's how i kind of felt like it's like damn i just it's like you can look but you can't touch kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> but no uh but for real though it's um it, they they ended the state of play with like nine minutes of just unnarrated just here's gameplay and mm-hmm. the gameplay is very much uh it, you know evolved from what it was before you know uh, obviously when it comes to naughty dog and they are always going to be touting about how they're always more they get more ambitious with every single game and then they basically said that this is the biggest world we've ever created and um you know you can do you can tackle uh these these uh, you can tackle going through this area in more than one way and however you want to do it. You can like sneak around and, you know, avoid enemies or you can, um, you know, or you can just, you know, breath of the wild it and just get a drop on people and, you know, uh, that kind of thing. They basically just kind of like really made it feel like um, the best way, the best way I can explain it is in Uncharted 4, like there was the African Savannah level and then there was just, it was so big. It was like a little mini open world area, mm-hmm. but kind of sort Yeah. So basically you're like, they showed you this area where like you're in a city and it's, it's very wide, but you can go left, right, or middle, you know, but you can take any path you want. And it kind of feels like the entire game is trying to be structured in that kind of Uncharted 4, that one chapter, but everything is the whole, the whole game is that. That's and that cool. would be, ins- that would be very insane. Um, they it's showed interesting. Ellie. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, it's interesting because I very much like, I like games that are structured like that. But then I also like very linear games as well. And I'm I'm curious to see how well Naughty Dog is going to do that transition transition where, 
you know, The Last of Us had a few open-ish areas uh, where you could explore a little bit of the environment. You could just, like, run through it if you wanted, or you could, like, go and explore, like, each house and things along those lines. And I thought that was cool. That was a cool balance of it. And then Uncharted 4 went a little bit further with that. Um, so they, I feel like they're kind of... Uh, like messing around with like the open world idea slowly. Uh, so I'm curious to see how well they're going to do it on The Last of Us Part 2. And I, I just hope that it doesn't detract from the core story of the game because that's sometimes the problem with like games that are too open world is that they're too distracting there's too much going on and it's it's kind of harder to like stick to like one story and keep track of it and, and actually enjoy it to, to its fullest i feel like um which is what yeah. naughty dog was always so great at is like just giving you that fantastic like cinematic adventure from beginning to end right yeah um, i always hear people talk about how they're not like they hate invisible hallways or you know that kind mm-hmm. of thing and i'm a fan of that like it's it's a very streamlined experience you know you can really uh you know play play with that kind of stuff at least from the narrative uh, perspective which is what you know last of us is doing mm-hmm. um uh, there's a lot of cool little like uh little stuff that they showed like they showed an upgraded crafting system which is really dope um they also showed um a character uh playing a vita which is a lot of mm. <laughs> like the most uh the most love sony has shown to the vita in a long time <laughs> i've seen plenty of jokes about that because that one didn't get caught in like my muted filters and everything my uh my filtered out words uh so i saw a few things about the the vita thing i believe there's a character that's playing a vita and end up getting killed or something i don't yeah. know um so yeah, i mean cool. like that i just think that um just as overall like uh, the game i was already like 100% sold on the game and it just you know it really um i kind of i really want to play the game and that state of play just kind of blue balled me so you know it is what it is <laughs> all right sounds good so let's get into some more of for uh, coronavirus related news so we're going to start by talking about uh, catching it, catching up with uh, IGN Summer of Gaming a little bit. So they've released, IGN recently released a, an actual calendar, a schedule uh, for what their Summer of Gaming situation is going to look like. I'm going to link this in uh, the show notes so you can go and check it out for the for the time code for, for this time right now. Uh, and I'm going to read in uh, a couple parts of it, but there's a lot here, so I can't really go through everything. But everything is going to uh, start on June 5th, uh, so that is... Next Friday, when our next episode is posting, June fifth, uh, it's when they're gonna be debuting the 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 show and and starting it up. And they got a lot of uh, unannounced games that are gonna be getting revealed. Um, they are tagging like some of the companies in here that will be involved. Uh, they will have a trailer for a game named Werewolf: The Apocalypse. Uh, they'll be showing gameplay for a few different games, Blanco's Block Party, Mortal Shell, Observer System Redux, Samurai Jack Battle Through Time, Spellbreak. Then on June 6th, they're going to have a charity stream as well as a partner and publisher showcase, which will be the PC Gaming Show. On June 7th, they'll be showing the Guerrilla Collective Showcase, uh, as well as, let's see, the Upload VR Showcase. They'll be having new trailers for Givalry 2, Duo Universe, Pathfinder, Kingmaker, Wasteland 3, a game named 13. They'll have previews for Borderlands 3 and The Waylanders, uh, gameplay of Forgotten City and Second Extinction. They'll have some IGN some interviews that they're calling IGN icons. So they're going to be doing a David Hayter interview on June 7th. The fun continues on June 9th. I'm going to go through this and feel free to shout out things as well, Lewis, uh, because I'm not going to read through everything. But let's see if there's anything here that catches my attention. They're going to be doing a Humble Bundle Indies Showcase. They'll be showing New World. They'll be showing um, Total War Troy, Yakuza Like a Dragon. Uh, Gameplay for Skater XL. 
Mm-hmm. Another interview with Brian Fargo, um, founder of Blizzard. They'll be doing a CD Projekt Red uh, live stream on June 11th. So I think we're likely to see some, uh, we're likely to be seeing some Cyberpunk 2077 footage there, hopefully. Uh, they'll be also showing EA Play Live on June 11th. On June 12th, they'll Gary be doing a, yeah, they'll be doing a special event with Gary Witta where they're going to be doing um, celebrity tours in Animal Crossing Islands. Uh, let's see what else. They'll be showing Mafia Definitive Edition on June 15th, Ninjala on June 15th as well. We got uh, SpongeBob SquarePants Battle for Bikini Bottom, the 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 remake. They'll be they'll be talking about that on June 15th as well. Then there, it just keeps going. There's uh, more stuff on June 18th, all the way through June 24th. So uh, they'll be have, doing an interview with John Romero, super nice guy, by the way, super like down to earth um, developer out there. The one of the creators that pretty much the the design brain uh, behind the Doom series and uh, Wolfenstein 3D and Quake as well. Uh, yeah, just just lots of good stuff. So you can go and check out the full details of the schedule by uh, clicking on the link on the show notes. Uh, I at believe at least, at least they're sticking the landing. Uh, June twenty fourth, their last day on their on this calendar. They are going to end with a publisher showcase of Marvel's Avengers War Table stream. So Which we're going to see glad- some some Avengers stuff. That's good. Yeah, I'm excited about that too, and I'm glad you mentioned that because we're actually going to be reading a different story here. Marvel's Avengers War Table gameplay and co op stream announced for June twenty twentieth. As written by Adam Bankhurst in uh, for IGN, Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics have announced that Marvel's Avengers will be getting its first War Table stream on June 24th, that will showcase brand new gameplay and co-op footage. Marvel's Avengers Twitter also shared a video of the development team, which you can watch below. You can check the link in the in the show notes, talking about how they are working through the COVID-19 pandemic challenges to finish what they started and deliver the game fans deserve. The video also features new glimpse, a few glimpses of gameplay and behind-the-scenes footage, and promises of new trailers, co-op gameplay, and story missions. Additionally, the video ends with the release date of September 4th, 2020, meaning the game has not been delayed any further. Marvel's Avengers was set to be released on PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Google Stadia on May 15th before its delay for polish and fine-tuning. Well, yeah, we already know that. It's now coming out on September 4th. We could have al- um, I could have already beat the game. I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> uh, maybe, yeah. Well, actually, um, you probably wouldn't have because you never beat <laughs> <laughs> the games I, I you know. play. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but as far as like the, uh, the 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 additional polishing and fine tuning, I hope that they're just like basically redoing the character models because one of the pe- things that people like complained about is that the uh, the characters look like they're they're Mar- Marvel movie stunt doubles. So we'll see we'll see what they do. But I'm I'm very much uh, I'm still very much interested in this game, and I am I don't know I mean is it gonna be a day one buy or am I gonna like you know I don't know yet I haven't decided whether I'm gonna do like the whole window buy games treatment on this one <laughs> yeah we'll for sure and how, how is your general level of excitement about the all the stuff that I just read so like IGN's side of it I it's kind of weird to call it like IGN's side of it too because a lot of the stuff that I read it, IGN is not organizing it they're just gonna be live streaming it and it's just individual companies that are running it similar just like how EA is just running EA play right but it's, yeah, it's so included just... in their schedule they just do like their their pre and post shows and stuff and like you know schedule around it. I'm just yeah. kind of I'm just happy that they're starting off with three unannounced games on June 5th. They're like coming out the gate just saying, "Hey, boom, here's some announcements on announcements on announcements." And then like I can see that they have unannounced games like written throughout their calendar like even as far as June 18th. So basically they're not they're going to I don't know I I don't know if you're going to if they're trying to go for like the slow burn or just like maintaining hype at like 100%. Mm-hmm. 
which is, I don't know if it's possible, but we'll see. At this point, I'm just kind of happy we're getting something. And I, I am excited. Like, I am excited about the idea. I, it finally seems a little bit more tangible with the schedule. Like, the idea that I will be turning on to IGN and, like, seeing new announcements and seeing developer interviews and interesting stuff that I enjoy. Like, a lot of the stuff that I like seeing during E3 time. Um, I just kind of, I guess the only thing, the only caveat that I still have that I that I dislike about the way that Summer of Gaming is going to be this year is that it's just going to be so spread out. You know, it's just the idea that, I'm not going to be able to just tune in a lot for a week and get everything. I'll have to be, if I'm interested in, I'll have to maintain interest on it throughout multiple months. And I mean, at the end of the day, like farce world problems, right? Who cares? Like I'm already like reading gaming news every day anyway to do this podcast. And also because I'm interested in it. Um, But I just feel like I can, I know that I'm probably going to tune into a lot of the stuff in the first week. And then after that, I'm probably just going to be reading a lot of the, the summaries and watching like if something really interests me then i mean maybe i'm gonna go and watch that which is fine but i don't think i'm gonna have the e3 experience of previous years of like let's set this up let's have it on a big tv here at home just like running live from ign like during these multiple days from like morning to night um and just like watch us consume as much of it as i can um like you know like my like kind of event yeah, the situation is going to be more of a, there's just news happening, you know, constantly. Um, so yeah, we'll that's that's true. That's a fair point. I mean, like, I used to, like, vape, take vacation days from work just so that way I can watch mm-hmm. uh, E3, like, uh, like for, like, be a couch potato for, like, a couple of days. But now it's like, <laughs> uh, I have no days off in June, and we're going to figure out, well, my no work days off in June, and then I got to figure out how I'm going to watch these things while working or if not yeah. just you know catching them after the fact which is going to suck depending on like when the scheduling is like for instance uh like the first day is june 5th which is a friday i work on fridays and saturdays and those are like the bigger days and i work all day and it kind of sucks i wish that i liked when traditional e3 was happening it was always like sunday through tuesday which are the easier days to get off so which are yeah, already exactly. my days off so whatever yeah yeah, it's all right. Let's go into another story here. Twitch is hosting Summer Game Fest events with console announcements and more. Another one joining the fray here, as written by Michael McWhorter from Polygon. Twitch is getting in on Summer Games Fest, the season-long replacement for now-canceled events like E3 2020, with exclusive live streams and a new channel, slash Twitch Gaming, reserved for the event. The streaming platform has also partnered with the likes of Riot Games, CD Projekt Red, Square Enix, Ubisoft, Electronic Arts, Blizzard Entertainment 2K, and the International Game Developers Association for a series of special events. Among Twitch's planned Summer Game Fast events is a tease for console announcements. Both Sony Interactive Entertainment and Microsoft plan to review their game lineups for PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X this summer, which will likely be streamed on Twitch and probably on other platforms as well. In a blog post, Twitch also teased reviews from publisher 2K. The publisher's announced lineup includes Disintegration, PGA Tour, 2K21, Mafia Remastered, NBA 2K21, WWE 2K Battlegrounds, and Kerbal Space Program 2. Here's what else Twitch has planned for its Summer Game Fast programming. Twitch Rivals Valorant Launch Showdown After a record-breaking closed beta, Riot Games' 5v5 character-based tactical shooter Valorant is launching on June 2nd. To celebrate, Twitch Rivals is collaborating with Riot to execute the first set of competitive events for Valorant on its grand opening weekend. And the IGDA Indie Showcase will be hosting a Twitch-exclusive indie showcase with some of the top titles launching this year. Join us live, date to be determined, for your chance to see some of the best content from indie studios before anyone else and as well as the Twitch Summer Game Fest Awards. We'll wrap up the summer with a Twitch-exclusive community-driven award show recapping the best of the summer as voted on by you. Stay tuned for more details. Okay, so, well, happy, I'm happy with like a Game of the Show kind of stuff, like who won E3 type of situation. Yeah, that's going to be cool. 
Yeah, yeah I'm, I, I'm, I agree with I, that. I'm confused. Like, I mean, how what uh, what is the uh, the big like? What are they alluding to? Are they going to say like, or where the console announcement is going to be like the PS5 and like the Xbox Series X prices and release dates, or what's going on with that? Like, I'm just a little... here's the thing that's so interesting about this no E3 E3 that we're getting, which is that with the ESA kind of out of the equation, I feel like so many companies had the same idea of trying to sort of steal the spotlight, or it's not steal because they're not doing it dishonestly or anything, but everybody wants to get the spotlight, right? So like GameSpot, IGN, Twitch, Jeff Keighley, like they all want to be, <laughs> <laughs> they all want to be involved with this and they all want to get, you know, get the clicks and get the attention. Of course, like they, de- they rely on this. They depend like E3 is such a big source of revenue for all of these different entities. Um, so, and then meanwhile, all of the actual developer companies, they're just like, well, you know, we're doing our stuff, or I shouldn't say the developer companies, it's more of the big publishers, right? Yeah. The big publishers and the indie collectives and things like that. They're like, well, we got to show our stuff. We got to, you know, get uh, attention from our players. So they're doing their events. And then all of these different entities are basically live streaming their events with pre-shows and post-shows like they would with E3. Um, but it's kind of interesting to see like Twitch announce their stuff and then see IGN schedule and realize that like probably a good 50% of what that is is actually the same content they're just going to be distributed in those different platforms right so you see all the ign stuff on the ign site or on the ign twitch channel meanwhile you have all the twitch stuff on their page and everything's going to have slightly different hosts around it and different people doing the pre-shows and post-shows and maybe they're going to have some unique everybody everyone is going to try to have some a little bit of exclusive content so i just i just had like this really weird funny thought was like where it's like ign's uh they're like broadcasting Twitch gaming stuff. You know, like whenever like they do like a pre-show and a post-show and then they kick yes. it off to like their feed. So like Twitch, uh, IGN's going to go to Twitch gaming's feed and then Twitch gaming's going to go to IGN's feed at the same time, <laughs> like looping <laughs> on each other. Well, it, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, it's I a feel joke, like, obviously. I know, I get what you mean. But I, I feel like ultimately it's going to be about like, you're, you're going to be able to choose like who to watch, right? It's kind of, just kind of like normal E3, right? You can watch the Twitch thing, you can watch IGN's thing, you can watch GameSpot's thing. And then, but like, honestly, like you can't go wrong with whatever you choose because ultimately you're going to be getting the same announcements and a lot of the same conferences in between, you know, it's, it's more about which kinds of uh, writers and personalities and hosts you like, you know, the, the commentary off the, the best. Or if you don't have time to any of that, then you can just tune into our show. There we go. We are here ready to announce that uh, Ready Press Play is going to be hosting our own summer gaming event <laughs> called uh, Gaming in this gaming in the summer and uh we're gonna be you know talking every friday on your favorite podcast uh services we're gonna be posting a show at uh 8 a.m pacific time usually where we're gonna be talking about the biggest gaming news of uh, of the week during all of the summer so there we there go, we go. We're, we're also and we're, we've partnered with uh, all of these uh different developers because we're gonna be reading all their news um, anyway there we go um, I'm yeah, just, that's uh, a good one. That's a good one. I liked it. <laughs> I, I was Let, there with you, man. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I hope you get my point. We're going to keep going in here with the Pokemon Go Fest 2020, which will be different from previous years, obviously. Uh, Niantic's annual Pokemon Go Fest event is returning once again this summer with some major changes. While the event is traditionally held in person at Chicago's Grant Park, this year developer Niantic is transforming Pokemon Go Fest into an entirely global event in a virtual format. Pokemon Go Fest 2020 will take place on July 25th and 26th. Not many other details about the event have been announced yet, but Niantic says that all ticket holders will be able to attend both days and the new virtual format will allow players to join the festivities regardless of where they're located. 
While we'll miss the traditional congregation of Pokemon Go fans, we're thrilled to bring a special Pokemon Go Fast experience to trainers, Niantic wrote in a blog post. Not only are you in for an exciting weekend of bonuses, Pokemon encounters, and special research, there will also be exciting ways to connect with other trainers and experience other fun surprises throughout the entire summer. In the meantime, a new legendary Pokemon has made its debut in Pokemon Go. Reshiram, the cover monster from Pokemon Black, is appearing in 5-star raids until June 16th. Two other Gen 5 legendaries, Zekrom and Kyurem, have been teased for the game as well, although Niantic has not yet announced when they will debut. We've also learned what the featured Pokemon will be for June and July's Community Day. For the second time ever, Niantic allow players to vote on the featured Pokemon and the winning monsters are Weedle and Ghastly. The former will be featured during June's Community Day, which will take place on June 20th, while the latter will start in July's event. Who voted on this? We, I know, right? That's why a do terrible, they pick? <laughs> terrible picks. That's really oh. weird. I wonder if people, like, basically, uh, like, review bombed this. Yeah. <laughs> or, like, uh, poll bombed it, or whatever you would call it. I um, am just surprised that they're already up to Gen 5 now. The last time I was hearing about Pokemon Go <laughs> is that they were on Gen 3. Uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're moving quick, and they're continuing to update the game. So if you're still out there and you're playing Pokemon Go, I know they've we've also read in the show in the past that they made some adjustments for people, you know, in the shelter-in-place situation. I have not played the game since I've been working from home, but um, I'm sure that, you know, it's it's working pretty good right now for the for the people that are, and there's some exciting stuff to look forward to. So, so let me ask you this. Is this, like, is this the only Pokemon Go Fest I remember was the very, very first one, and it was a shit show? Yes, like that, but like, they they kept doing it, and it's gotten better. That that's what I that's pretty much as much as I know about it. Oh, okay, um, all right. So like Pokemon Go Fest, is it like uh, is it once a year? Or is it two twice a year? Like how do you? Uh, I'm looking it up. up. <laughs> I'm looking it up. <laughs> but uh, I'm pretty sure that it's a yearly event. Uh, I think the first one they did in 2017, and that it wasn't like it didn't go out super well. They had a lot of issues, but they have continued to do it, and they've gotten much better. Yeah. No, because now it hasn't been like I have like I've only heard about the 2017 one. I didn't even know it was still a thing. I thought it was such a shit show that they gave just packed up and went home kind of thing. But okay, no. I guess they Here turned that around. Uh, this if we is haven't from, uh, if we haven't heard any like controversies about it, then it must have like gone on without a pitch, and then no one reported on it because exactly you know, that's not a story. <laughs> Here's uh, here's information uh, from Wikipedia. Despite the outcome of the 2017 GoFast, Niantic announced a second GoFast to be held again in Chicago at Lincoln Park on May 7, 2018. Unlike the previous fest, the event was held across two days, July 14 and 15th. The area allocated for the event was larger, with attendees being limited to one of the two days, and additional temporary cellular network facilities were provided by major providers. Like in 2017, tickets for the event sold out rapidly, with tickets running out on the official website within half an hour, and scalpers reselling the tickets for increased prices. During Jeez. the event, Lincoln Park was decorated with props resembling various biomes which could be found in the game. As part of the event, Pokemon, which are normally rare or only found in other parts of the world, spawned in the area. Attendees were also given a chance to complete research quests in-game in order to encounter the mythical Pokemon Celebi. So yeah, they uh they ran it on 2018 and seemed to have gone without a hitch, and then they did it again in 2019. So we didn't hear about those as much because, <laughs> because they weren't stories. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. I can't believe it's been three years. Jeez, or two years. Yeah, I don't I know. How long it's time, been. time freaking flies. All right. Let's well, props to them. Props yeah. to them. Yeah, for sure. Let's get into some regular news here. So uh, to start, this one comes from GamesIndustry.biz, as written by Rebecca Valentine. Take-Two plans to release 93 full titles in the next five years. On this week's Q4 and fiscal 2020 financial results call with investors, Take-Two president Carl Slatoff said that it expected to release a total of 93 new titles in the next five years across both internal labels and outside development studio partners. 
Breaking it down, Zlatov said that 63 of these titles will be core experiences, including 15 platform extensions of existing titles, 17 would be mid-core titles, and 13 would be considered casual games. Additionally, 47 will come from existing franchises and 46 would be new IP. 72 are planned for some combination of console, PC, and streaming, with 7 of these also available on mobile, and 21 would be specifically for mobile. 67 of these titles will be paid games, while 26 would be free-to-play. Zlatov couched this by saying it was possible that this projection was reflective of its current pipeline and that it was possible that some games would be delayed or cancelled, while new games could also be added in the coming months and years. Later in the call, Zlatov clarified that these would be full game releases and these numbers did not account for add-on or DLC content. Additionally, it was noted that the classification of core experience did not necessarily translate to AAA title, as AAA games imply some of the largest investments the company makes. However, he added that core games are titles that are engaging experiences where you can play anywhere from 5 minutes to 5 hours at a time. In its financial results posted earlier today, Take-Two identified the fiscal 2021 would be a light year for releases, largely reliant on the company's back catalog. Take-Two is, however, the parent to a number of publishing and development companies that likely have releases in the pipeline, including major publishing labels Rockstar Games and 2K Games, newer independent-focused label uh, Private Division, and mobile developer Social Point. So I wanted to bring this up just because I thought... Uh, it was interesting to see, you know, we, we normally see these kinds of stories where they talk about the fiscal year, but I thought it was interesting for a big publisher to come in and be like, this is our number for the next five years. Um, and I think it, it kind of shows like how they're, they're uh, gives us a little bit of an insight into their planning as a publisher. And it's just kind of interesting to think of like how big this publisher has become and the scale, like the scale in which these executive executives must be looking at this to be talking about 93 different titles and then breaking them down i can i can already kind of picture the spreadsheet um it almost makes me want to like try to come up with like like dig deeper and like try to see like all their studios and try to figure out uh based on the all the numbers and the data that they've shared like what some of these games are uh but but generally i guess the exciting thing is that they have a lot of stuff in the pipeline uh we already mentioned gta 6 uh, in, in the past, I think like this, uh, leads me to believe that GTA six is probably something that we'll see in the next five years. Um, probably not on the 2021 fiscal year, um, because of what they said at the end there, but maybe 2022, maybe 2023. I don't know. What do you think, Louis? So I'm just surprised that they have this many games in the pipeline. Like I didn't, I, when I think of take two, I think of like games that are like i think of them as a publisher they they just release games very seldomly like i can only think of rockstar games and and 2k and like 2k like they what they do two uh annualized franchises like the um mm -hmm. like the the and then they have like their like rockstars only did what the grand theft auto 5 and and uh red dead redemption too yeah in i know this generation it's... so it's like i would imagine like their pipeline was kind of like maybe at most a dozen <laughs> but this seems a little bit bigger outside the scope. I'd have to like see like who like what how many developers they have underneath their underneath their fold that take, that Take Two Interactive has. But um, you know, hey, they're ambitious and uh, it's pretty it's pretty dope. Uh, it, if they're doing a lot of these crazy like little casual mobile games, and I'm not not necessarily a fan of these free to play games, and you know that's not the kind of uh, that's not the kind of world I like to live in, but hey, it is what it is. Business models, business has got a business, I guess. Well, based on the numbers that they share, that that does seem to be like a a good part of it, um, but it's not all of it. Uh, I want to see here. Twenty six yeah. would be free to play, yeah. So, yeah, so like yeah. you you can expect these twenty six is like okay, some maybe some PC like free to play games, and then a lot of mobile ones. Um, 
Yeah, they said 21 would be specifically for mobile. I guarantee the majority, if not all of those 21... Um, we never heard free- about it. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, for sure. But then those will be the free-to-play games. Uh, and then maybe there's like five free-to-play PC games or console games or something along those lines. Yeah. Um, but we're looking at like 67 likely console slash PC experiences there. Uh, I don't remember if they gave a specific a number for that. All right. So if we're going with like... 67 i i'm confused about the platform extensions Plas, platform extensions oh okay that means that a title that already exists is coming to a new platform right yeah so um, like gta 5 whenever it was on like xbox 360 and ps3 okay so let's break this down further okay i want to get into i want to get into the weeds here i almost wish this was the topic right now 15 <laughs> platform extensions what are the new platforms that are coming out over the next the new hot platforms right mm-hmm. ps5 series x and stadium that, and and yeah, that's true. And Stadia, I forgot about Stadia. Um, so if if we're gonna think that like maybe, I mean, if if you're bringing a game to the PS5, you're not gonna not put it on Series X, and and then uh, we can we can assume that a lot of them are probably gonna end up on Stadia as well, unless that goes south over there. But does it um, does a definitive edition need to come out on the Xbox Series X? Probably not, but unless depending on how they're they're changing it, right? There there might be a scenario where they're adding enough content to it, or is a full remake or something. I don't know, something along those lines. Uh, but either way, like I look at those fifteen platform extensions, and and I I read that as there's at least five games from their backlog that they're bringing to next gen, right? That's kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, but potentially more, potentially more than five. So they're probably bringing Red Dead, Red Dead Two, GTA Five. And then maybe a few of the others, right? Do and then you, you bring got, like, GTA Five though? Like, do you or do you feel like you're maybe cannibalizing GTA Six sales? Well, that's a good point. But that game just has so many players and so many people playing online, so they want to make sure that people are going to be playing online on the new consoles. <laughs> but then they can probably just run the same disc, right? It's yeah. interesting, right? It's interesting. Or just get some more microtransactions out of those players that are still, you know, didn't leave <laughs> yeah, the game. True. I don't so, know. So yeah, I mean, it makes sense. But like, I don't know. It just kind of seems very weird to me. I'm a little like kind of like like bummed that that the PS4 and the Xbox One didn't get a GTA all, all to itself. You know, it didn't get a numbered GTA. That's uh, true. Whereas like the PS3 and the 360 got two numbered GTAs. You know. So yeah. Well, back in that time, those games like took a lot last time to make, which I think is probably the main reason. And also, GTA Five is just such a big hit that there's kind of no like. There's no incentive to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's no incentive to make another one. I would like to see. See, let me let me just throw something out there though. Like, it would be cool if they could do in quotes GTA Six in a way that does not cannibalize GTA Five, but instead almost like comes in as a different branch, similar to how we got like a. Like, I don't know, like the Mario 3D series and the new Super Mario, like the 2D series. So what if they can come out with a new GTA that's significantly different than GTA 5 to where people still want to have both? Then it wouldn't sell as well. Potentially. (laughs) That's that's a good point. That's a good point. People want to buy uh, what they know, kind of thing. That kind of comfort food. Yeah, I say this because I like the idea of like, so like GTA 5 is this like mostly online experience right now. Very like modern day California, things along those lines. Maybe they can do like a uh, um, retro like GTA, um, maybe with like very unique like mechanics and and special like things that you can only do in that game. Uh, and then maybe that will attract a slightly different audience. But there's no audience that doesn't have GTA already. So yeah, oh. it's it's an interesting conundrum. I'm just yeah. kind of theorizing. 
Yeah, and also like, well, I was gonna say maybe they can like do that for like as a PS5 uh, exclusive, where it's like GTA four, uh, Five never got like a single player DLC expansion. Like, was it mm-hmm. the PS4, uh, the PS3, and the and GTA Four had like, was it was it the Ballad of Gay Tony, or am I just making that word up myself? I don't know. Uh, but, yeah, I so don't like they had anymore. they had like they had like their whole like their expansion or whatever their and I would imagine like what if and like this is me me being evil, but what if like they just re-release gta 5 on ps5 and put like the expansion exclusive to like the ps5 and the xbox series x mm, i see i would be that'd be oh my god that's <laughs> why I, this is why i don't want to be in business <laughs> all of my bad urges all right yep. well yeah uh, it is what it is i uh i am I'm I'm curious to see like the list and like I'm not I don't think I'm gonna track it and be like put an Excel sheet and be like all right let's see <laughs> how they how they held up their end of their deal or not but like okay uh, it's they have a, I know they have a lot of money I know that GTA Five alone made billions of dollars so there you go. Moving on, the wild story behind why the first Assassin's Creed has side missions, as written by Wesley N. Poole from Eurogamer. The first Assassin's Creed game only had side missions because open quote the CEO Skid played it. End quote. That's the start of the wild story behind the addition of side missions to the 2007 game as told by then Ubisoft fight system AI lead Charles, Charles Randall in a fascinating tweet thread. The first Assassin's Creed contains a number of flag collecting missions as well as Templar assassinations. These additional memories do not advance the plot. It turns out Assassin's Creed was ready to ship without these side missions when just days before the game had to be sent to shops, open quote, the CEO's kid played the game and said it was boring and there was nothing to do in the game, end quote. Randall and a handful of others added the side missions in the main conference building of Montreal's Beck Building, a former textile factory where Ubisoft Montreal was founded. Randall explained, The strike team managed to pull off the impossible side missions in five days, but one bug slipped through the net. The bug meant that sometimes you could never complete all of the Templar assassinations in order to get the full 1000 gamer score on offer. This particular Templar could fall through the world and despawn if approached from the wrong direction. The game considered him dead but wouldn't credit the player for the kill. No more spawning meant players would have to start over. This 5-day blast to add side content to Assassin's Creed sounds nightmarish, and Randall says he doesn't remember what happened in that period, but open open quote. But no, it's a miracle that the game didn't just melt your console or whatever, end quote. Assassin's Creed kickstarted one of the most popular video game franchises of the last and current generation, but the first game in the series had its problems. Its collectible system, which included flag collecting, was roundly criticized as a frustrating filler. Now we know why it's in the game in the first place. <laughs> All right, Louis, take it away. What do you think about this? Jeez, you talk, you're asking the non-Assassin's Creed player to, about, okay. <laughs> you know what, I'll, I'll just give it to you this way. I was reading the tweet threads and stuff as you were reading the article, and it just kind of hilarious. Like, it, it, it kind of... This kind of story is highly believable, you know, it's like the CEO is like, like the, you know, coming home from work and he's like letting his kid play and he's like, uh, dad, I hate this. This sucks. He's like, okay, we need to go back to, to uh, we need to go back to the drawing board, like just kind of like, like throw everything off the table and just like erase the whiteboard and make it blank again and be like, tell all like the programmers to like, to like start over from scratch kind of thing. I don't know. I just kind of, it's, it's like a funny little scenario in my head, but. Um, you know, the funny thing is like, I, at first I didn't believe this because, you know, from, from the, I feel like it, 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 it sounds like gamer conspiracy theory, right? Where the kinds yeah. of things that people make videos about like, oh, like this is the reason why, like this was not included in Breath of the Wild or whatever. Uh, and like 
being on the other side, like, I've never really seen anything like that to that extent. Yes, there's, there's like, sudden changes, of, of course, and sometimes leadership decides something that maybe the team did not necessarily agree with, and, and then we have to change something last minute, or that, that kind of stuff does happen. But I've never, when I saw a story the way it was being told, like, on the Twitter thread, I was like, this is... This must be some disgruntled employee that's just trying to talk shit. Like, that, that's what was my first reaction to it. But then it seems like a lot of people are actually backing it up. So this is just nuts. <laughs> like, um, it's the, the craziest part of it, actually, is the fact that they were able to pull that off in five days before, like, the game shipped or whatever. Like, especially when it has to go through. My guess, my guess what they mean is that before they sent it through certification because... There's oh, I thought that meant like when they went too. gold. That's what I was thinking. Like, yes, okay, we're yeah, about to exactly. go gold. Um, but yeah, it's kind of nuts. Like usually at that point, you're pretty much just bug fixing, polishing. Like you're not doing any major change to the game, not adding new feature, not adding new missions. Usually that's the case even more than like a month before release. There's always the exceptions. I mean, game development is messy and there's always things that slip in and like, oh shit, we gotta, we gotta do that. Like we missed that, but somebody really wants to get it in and they'll stay late one day and get something in that maybe they were not even supposed to at that point. Well, but, I uh, mean, I've I've seen I've seen YouTube videos about like little documentaries where like they talked about how Miyamoto does game development and even like the the the, the studios like the internal developers at Nintendo they always like uh, pad a certain like in their schedule uh, for like these big upheavals. Mm-hmm. Um, so like they plan for it because like Miyamoto would like take a look at it and he would like give his notes and stuff and you got to change everything and like completely like redo everything from scratch and that's what happened uh with uh, a skyward sword um or not a skyward sword excuse me uh it was twilight princess where they had a you know how like the i don't know if you played twilight princess but like at the very beginning of the game there's like it dragged on forever and ever and ever yep yeah that was miyamoto he told them to make it longer i see that's <laughs> and they interesting. were they were gonna ship it with like a shorter uh thing but then uh miyamoto was like no no we're gonna we need you to redo the script for the entire beginning make it last longer make him tutorial tutorialize everything a little bit more uh we got a new controller uh with the wii mode so we need to make sure that these players get are uh, are in tune with the wii modes before they go out to the world and then mm-hmm. on top of that like the 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 translation team had to be put on standby at the and then Nintendo Treehouse because they were still making the first part of the game and they told them to translate everything else but the beginning. That's crazy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, producers always build in certain like contingency plans and like extra time into like their game schedules and it's funny like a lot of times it's like you have the developers cost how long is it going to take to do something and and maybe they'll cost like these set of features in like two weeks and then the producer will actually schedule it for like four weeks or something along those lines because they they're building in that contingency time and bug fixing and polishing etc and then uh perhaps like the the studio head is like bringing it into the publishers like two months instead you know like people are always trying to build in that buffer for like whoever is like under them um usually like good producers do that right um so yeah i i get what you mean with that stuff but this story is still crazy i mean <laughs> i, yeah, I that's wonder crunch. that's crunch on crunch on crunch right there i know like but anyway fi- a funny story nonetheless i wanted to bring it up uh you can go and read some more about it if you're interested and, and try to poke into some some of the more uh some more details on it uh now for our next one here uh as written by s-i-c-k-r i'm guessing that's a username sicker uh on my nintendo news uh The next edition of Japanese gaming magazine Weekly Famitsu, which is due on June 4th, will apparently contain a revolutionary scoop which will rile up the games industry. It was said that this announcement is now confirmed to be related to Sega and is apparently on the level of Wired's first PlayStation 5 review article. The timing coincides with the company's 60th anniversary. Here's what was said. Open quote. 
My column in next week's issue of Famitsu is crazy. I got a huge scoop. It's a world premiere article and an exclusive. It may not be Nike or Weekly Bunshin, but if you want to know if it's a scoop that big, it totally is. It's a scoop from a game company that everybody loves, an insane scoop. Last year, Wired got the exclusive story on PlayStation 5, right? Other media didn't. It's that level of a scoop. I interviewed a certain company's executive and technical staff. It's really revolutionary. Really, it's a revolution. It will be in Famitsu next Thursday. I already sent in the manuscript, so the proofs are being made now. It's a scoop on a level that when the story comes out, other media will make a fuss to the company like, why didn't you let us cover it? Maybe people will say, who was the first to break that story? It was Zenji Nishikawa, right? It's a scoop as major as the PlayStation 5 scoop. I just wanted to say that in advance. I can't say anything more here, but it's okay for me to tease it. I was told that it's okay to do so at various meetings. It's being talked about in other places, just not by the media. It will rile up the games industry. End quote. So, oh my god, the Sega Dreamcast 2, baby! <laughs> ah! I'm like... I... This... Like, honestly, I had not read it in full, and now that I did, I almost feel like I wanted to bring this up earlier in the show. It's just so weird. Like, what could Sega have to justify that? Like, either he's hyping something up way too much that's going to disappoint everybody, or we're about to get some earth-shattering, like you said, like, new Sega console, or maybe news of, like, Sega being sold to some other company, or, like, they're comparing, like... Can you imagine if Microsoft buys Sega... I don't know, man. Like it could be anything, but it's like when you. Th- it, that's the thing, Louis. If I if I went to you without context and I said I got the biggest scoop ever, right? I, I see your eye shines, but then but then the person le- like leads that with it's from Sega. You would go what? <laughs> like you know, like that's not the company you would expect to get this kind of true. Scoop well, he from, wasn't you know? even trying to say Sega. He they got that out of him after the fact. Mm. Uh, you know, the quote you read, he wasn't trying to mention Sega. He was really trying to be m- more secretive, but then he acts, I don't know, either he accidentally let it slip or something like that, but basically it's, uh, it's Sega related, but it's kind of, it's one of three things. Okay. My, my predictions mm-hmm. for this is the Dreamcast 2, Sega's back in the hardware business, mm-hmm. which that's, that's, I'm going to put that on the least likely out of the three. Uh, another company, like a first party studio, like Sony or Nintendo or, or Microsoft, they buy Sega outright. Mm-hmm. There's, that's number two. THQ number, Nordic. <laughs> <laughs> THQ Nordic, yeah. Uh, and then uh, number three, um, a, a, a Dreamcast classic or a Saturn classic, maybe. I don't mm. know. Okay. I can see that. I feel like that makes the most sense. I feel like if they get back into the hardware business, they're most likely screwed. Like, I can't <laughs> I can't fathom how they would be competitive nowadays with the new consoles and why people wouldn't want to buy a Sega console now. Can you imagine there's a so much competition, six. too? Persona Six is going to be exclusive to the Dreamcast too. That's it. That's I how you. No man. <laughs> that's how you. That's how you sell Sega Dreamcasts. Yeah, you sell it to like like five million like anime nerds or something. Like, yeah, like my friend Sean's going to buy it, but that's going to be about it. <laughs> no, I'm I'm just fucking around. I know people love like the Persona series, so do, please don't don't come at me with that one. Uh, I'm just I'm just joking. I don't know, man. I'm excited. Let's see what it is. Um, I know that they were going to be doing a lot of Sonic announcements. So honestly, my guess is that this is gonna be something that is not gonna be that exciting i think they're just gonna announce a new sonic game or something um and this this guy is really just like hyping up his article for no reason for the the headlines i think i threw out three pretty dope ass announcements that's got to be one of them all right we'll see we'll see so i all right so you're predicting that it's gonna be one of the three my prediction is just gonna be that it's not gonna be one of the three (laughs) and that it's gonna it's anything else and it's mundane (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. That, I'm, I'm going to maintain that too. It's anything else, and we're not going to be that excited about it. Okay, that's my guess. Fair, that's a fair enough. I'll, I'll get. Right. I, I will. I will. I will call your five. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go with that. Now for our next story over here, Universal, Universal Studios Super Nintendo World looks complete, as written by Tom Phillips for Eurogamer. The scaffolding has come down. The cranes are gone. Super Nintendo World and Universal Studios Japan looks ready to open. We've seen various photos of its construction over the past year, but this fresh drone shot of the park looks feature complete. Bowser's Castle sits in one corner, opposite Peach's Castle in the other. There's a towering mountain of platforms topped with clouds and a warp pipe section with sandy pyramids. Walkways lead in and out of warp pipes and along one path are a series of musical note blocks. It's not huge, but it looks densely packed. Inside the buildings are rides themed around Yoshi and Mario Kart. You can see the photo on the link that we're going to be adding to the show notes. It is perhaps no surprise the area is now finished. The plan was to have it open around now, ahead of the Tokyo 2020 Olympics. But of course, due to the ongoing global health crisis, the park is currently shut and the Olympics postponed. The latest word from the park is that it's still closed and open, quote, carefully considering a reopening date while monitoring the current situation, end quote. Universal has announced plans to bring Super Nintendo World to its parks in Hollywood, Orlando, and Singapore at some point in the future. So, yeah. Have you seen this? Are you excited about this? What do you think? Because uh, I, I know you're a huge Nintendo fan. I am very fan. hyped. I am very hyped mm. for, for Super Nintendo World. And I wanted to come to Orlando. I know that's, I would, I've been to, I've been to Universal Studios in Orlando before. So, mm-hmm. um, I am very, like, um, kind of surprised by this aerial fo- photo because, like, in my head, I was expecting it to be more spread out and more, like, open area. This yeah. just looks so uninviting in the far- in the fact that I feel like I would be shoulder to shoulder, not with just people, but with just things. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, just, it feels I, very tight and a yeah. little bit claustrophobic, especially yeah. as we're looking at this with the coronavirus lenses of, you know, trying, we've, we've been thinking about social distancing so much recently. And yeah, this looks like this is going to be crammed. Yeah. Um, it's like, it looks like a tiny little corner of, a, of the park is what it looks like. And I'm not, I was, I kind of wanted to be a little bit of a more of an open kingdom kind of thing. And yeah, I mean, they got, they got the designs and the colors and like the pipes and everything. Right. And it definitely looks colorful and inviting, but like, I'd imagine no more than like maybe a hundred people being in here and and being it very like comfortable you know anything beyond mm-hmm. that it just kind of feels like i would be standing shoulder to shoulder with people in like in a mosh pit or something at a concert kind of well, feel yeah there will be thousands of people and it's going to be pretty packed and i do wonder if it's going to be maybe differently designed in other locations of uh, universal studios so i know orlando in general has a lot of space and for that reason the parks there are typically bigger than they are in a lot of other places. I, I don't know specifically if Universal Orlando is how much that is bigger than Universal Tokyo. Uh, but my guess is that if they have more space, that it's probably going to be a little bit more spaced out, a little bit more spread out. Um, another thing I want to say is that I wish, I feel like this feels very much like Super Mario World. I don't even know why they're, why they're even calling it Super Nintendo World when you look at it. And to me, all I see is the Mario universe represented here. So I yeah. kind of wish that... I kind of wish that you saw a little bit of other franchises as well, but at the same time, like you couldn't even really. Uh, it's already so crammed with what they have; they they couldn't really have a lot more um, because due to space, right? But this just makes me wish that, as much as I'm excited about this and it's great, and I'm I, like I would love to go to it. Um, I can, dude, I, can you imagine like this be expanding to like becoming mm-hmm. you know like Nintendo Land on the Wii U? How you oh, got yeah. all these attractions? <laughs> can you? I just I just I'm already pa- picturing myself like playing like Metroid like with like some kind of laser tag or something. 
Yeah, I, know, I know, like, dude. That, like that would be so dope. The, the dream would have been a full-on park, right, where you have like the Super Mario area and the Metroid area and the Legend the of Zelda, Zelda area, area yeah. and maybe like the Pikmin area and like all these other things and um, Star Fox as well. And and yeah, I feel like this is like this is this is this is not quite the dream yet. It's almost like a slice of it. But uh, but I'm excited nonetheless. I'm not trying to be negative. We're, we try yeah, to no, be no, positive no. in this show. I'm very excited. I'm just saying that. You know, it would be great if we could see some other franchises represented in some form, especially since they called it Super Nintendo World, not Super right. Mario World. Right. Um, I'm still excited nonetheless. I mean, I've, I, I, and one of my dreams is to go to Japan. So, I mean, that would be one of my stops if I ever do go to Japan. Uh, but yeah, I am. Uh, I, like, I, I don't. I. You're right, and I don't want to poo-poo it, you know, because I've I've been hyped since since uh, day one when they announced this deal, and I'm glad that for the most part, I mean, it looks like the construction is finished since they were going to be ready for Tokyo uh, 2020 Olympics anyways. So mm-hmm. it's nice that if the if the actual park does open, it also basically signals that Super Mario uh, or Super Nintendo Land, excuse me, whatever you call it, is going to be open for business as well. All right. Cool. Since you mentioned Metroid, let me read this quick one here from my Nintendo News, also uh, written by Sicker, S-I-C-K-R. Swedish video games retailer iNet has listed the long-rumored Metroid Prime trilogy for Nintendo Switch with a 19th of June release date. That date is the same as the revised date for Sony's upcoming blockbuster The Last of Us 2 for the PlayStation 4. Nintendo hasn't made an announcement regarding Metroid Prime Trilogy, but it has been rumored to be in development for the Nintendo Switch for quite some time. So I didn't want to feature this uh, news uh, any more prominently, but I figured we'd have something to say about it, so I'll bring it here real quick. I do not know if I believe this, because even though Nintendo has been announcing things pretty close to release... This is too close. This is too close. This is uh, like less than three weeks away now, and we have never officially from a Nintendo ever heard anything about the existence of a Metroid Prime trilogy for the Switch. I know people have been very excited about it. I even tweeted some time ago, I was like, hey, I know people are excited about it, but can we please just stop predicting this? Because people have been predicting this for many years now. Um, I feel like people were predicting this even back in the Wii U days. Um, and and it just never happened. So I kind of just want to forget about it. <laughs> and as I literally tweeted this like last week, and then now this came out. Um, so yeah, people are still hoping for it. Uh, and I'm sure a lot of people are uh, hanging on to this as a sign that it's it, it's tr- real and it's gonna come out in like a surprise release or something. Stealth but, drop, yeah. <laughs> it would be great. That I mean, don't get me wrong, it would be awesome, and I think uh, it would be a great thing for Nintendo to have right now. But I don't know. It just seems too good to be true, right? Like, yeah, they've never announced this. People have wanted it forever, and they're just gonna drop it like that. We'll now, see. The, my my, if I'm business strategizing it up, uh, up in here, I would only release the game unless internally I have a one year out from Metroid Prime Four. So like, if it really is coming out on June 19th, and if it somehow does, they just stealth drop it. I'm saying June 2020, Metroid Prime Four comes out. Like that's 2021, that's the, oh, right? Oh yeah, yeah, 2021. Excuse me. Yes, you're right. I misspoke. But yeah, so that's my whole that's my whole take. Um, I think that the game is too big you to just stealth drop it like that. You have to have a marketing push. So I am selling this uh, this story. Um, I'm not buying it. So. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. Now, uh, let's run to th- through the uh, extra news here. And if you want, you can go and start uh, pulling up the your links and getting getting ready to take over the, the next segment, Louis. Mm-hmm. Uh, Electronic Arts will soon make the source code for two classic strategy games, Command and & Conquer and Red Alert, available to all. The Italian government has approved a 4 million euro funding scheme specifically targeting game developers as part of efforts to reinvigorate the nation's economy. Fast and Furious Crossroads, the video game set in the same universe as the Fast and Furious movies, has been delayed from May to later this summer. 
According to a few entertainment industry journalists posting on Twitter, a TV show adaptation of Square Enix's Kingdom Hearts game series is in production. Uh, a little bit more detail about this, by the way. It doesn't seem to be an animated series nor a live action series. It seems like it's going to be developed in Unreal Engine. So yeah, if anything, it is a animated series. But I think it's going to look more like like in-game cutscenes than um, than a movie. Um, okay. I'm not, I don't know if that makes sense. But uh, earlier this month, Natsume announced that its Harvest Moon series is receiving a new entry later this year. At that time, the Switch was the only confirmed platform. But this week, the company revealed that Harvest Moon One World will release on both PS4 and Switch this fall. Dead by Daylight has announced its latest crossover collaboration, and this time, the collaboration is with iconic horror video game franchise. As of this week on the public test server, Cheryl Mason and Pyramid Head from the Silent Hill series are available on Dead by Daylight as the new survivor and killer, respectively. And the live-action Sonic the Hedgehog movie released earlier this year is getting a sequel, as reported by Variety, with both director Jeff Fowler and writers Pat Casey and Josh Miller set to return. Anything here that piques your interest, Louis? I am happy for the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Um, I'm hyped for that, mm-hmm. especially with that uh, teaser at the end of the the first movie. Um, I'm also just kind of like surprised that Fast and the Furious Crossroads, um, you know, slid under the radar because the Game Awards had like Vin Diesel and Michelle Rodriguez announcing the game for for May for a May release, and here we are on May 28th talking about its delay. And it's like I completely that, that I completely yep. forgot that that game was even <laughs> supposed to have already been out by now. You're right. Uh, so I just kind of feel like if this story never hit our radar in this document, I would not have said, where's Fast and the Furious Crossroads? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of interesting, actually. I wonder. So wait, did it have like a specific date before or was it just May? It just said May. Oh, yeah. So I think that's why, because otherwise it would have come up in our like weekly releases that we read every week. So because it didn't have a set date, we just kind of missed it. Uh, but it's interesting, like, there's something to be said about the fact that we're reading gaming stuff and talking about gaming stuff and news and stories and releases every week, and we totally forgot this game even existed, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I even, I'm even a big fan of the Fast and Furious series, um, and I was hoping to watch the new movie this year, which got delayed to next year, but yeah... Well, I'm kind of watching the trailer for the for the game right now. By the way, you know what's actually kind of funny that would that would have been out this weekend. I'd imagine because Fast Nine was supposed to come out this past weekend, the Memorial Day weekend, and that would have been a nice like little tie-in, like a one-two punch if either came out the same day or maybe a week lead-in, lead-in, like maybe the Friday before. That would have been a really good like little marketing synergy there. That was probably the plan. That was probably the plan. And then with the with the movie getting delayed a whole year. It probably gave the development studio a little bit more room to breathe and breathe. Yeah, breathe. And they probably wanted to take some of that time to make the game better. Yeah. Um, I think the game looks all right. I, I bet it's not going to be amazing, but uh, I don't know, it looks Maybe like it could be fun. We can go from PS3 d- uh, graphics to PS4 graphics. Shots <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. fired. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see about that. Oh, man. Sorry. I'm all sorry, right, Louis. All right, Louis. It's all good. Now, uh, tell us what the new releases are. What are you buying? Okay, so we got ports on ports on ports. All right, so it's we got a jam-packed uh, release uh, schedule here. So on the Nintendo Switch, you can get Bioshock the Collection, which is three Bioshock games in there. Um, you can also get Borderlands Legendary Collection, which is also three Borderlands games. And then we can you also have XCOM 2 all dropping on the same day, which is uh, today at the day of posting, May 29th. And uh, also a same day, 
on the Nintendo Switch. Nintendo is re-releasing Xenoblade Chronicles, a definitive edition, and let's go ahead and read the blurb on that one. So, join the fight between man and machine in the definitive, definitive edition of this critically acclaimed RPG. Discover the origins of Shulk as he and his companions clash against a seemingly unstoppable mechanical menace. Wield a future-seeing blade, chain together attacks, and carefully position your party in strategic, real-time combat as you journey across a massive world only on Nintendo Switch systems. There we go. And next we have the uh, Liberated on the Switch on June 2nd, as well as Little Town Hero on June 2nd on the PS4, which is very interesting because Game Freak de- developed that game. And so yep. um, I know that I don't know about that game specifically because I know I my my uh, consensus or what I heard on that is that it reviewed poorly. So tread with caution on that one. Uh, also on June 2nd was the actual only uh, that I can think of, the only new release uh here uh, that's uh june 2nd on the pc we got valorant so let's read the blurb on that one uh let's see hey here's what we think it, it takes for you to trust the game enough to invest 128 uh tick servers at least 30 frames per second on po- okay am i reading the right thing let's see i don't i don't think you all are right. <laughs> good god all right this is all right let's see here imagine this the ta- uh, tactical shooter meets hypernatural powers Everyone's got guns and a unique set of abilities. So how do you beat someone with the speed of wind? Use your own moves to outplay them and beat them uh, to the shot. Valorant is a game for bold strategists who dare to make unexpected play because if it wins, it works. There we and go. this is the new game by uh, Riot Games, the developers of League of Legends. It's been very popular on Twitch over the last few weeks because they were doing a closed beta where you had to... We talked about it last show, I think, uh, where you had to watch a certain amount of hours of people playing it on Twitch to get a key for it. And it was a really good marketing stunt. And uh, I'm, I'm sure... I, I have a feeling this game will be very successful. Um, yep. Yeah. yeah. So it's like they, they got algorithms, so that's fine. <laughs> uh, so let, let, next we have Awesome P2, which is for the PS4, Xbox One, and Switch, all June 3rd. Pro Cycling Manager 2020, PS4, Xbox One, PC, June 4th. Also on June 4th is Tour de France 2020, only on PS4 and Xbox One. So those are the new releases. All right. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. Yeah, Broke Gamer's Guide was very jam-packed. We got a whole lot going on here. So uh, a lot of free stuff was announced. PS Plus uh, free games for June are, are are announced. Is it officially or is it leaked? I don't know. But uh, Call I, of Duty... I, I'm pretty sure it's official, yeah. Okay, all right. Call of Duty World War II and Star Wars Battlefront Two are going to be the free games for, uh, for June. And that's pretty dope because we've been having yeah. some pretty bad months lately. So I like how we're getting hit with the one, two, punch of some headliners yeah that's a pretty strong month so like two big triple a games some like big triple a publishers uh not super new like both a few years old but you know battlefront 2 has continued to get a lot of updates over the last few years and is uh, supposedly much better now than it was in the past i am an ea employee so disclaimer there um but uh, as far as i know the general consensus around the game is a lot more positive now than it was around its release so it might be a good time to uh, go and pick it up and give it a try well especially uh, for free yet. it's uh or for free it's not it's not going to be a big loss there and also if i'm not mistaken i think is just based based off of the article we got in front of me here is it the complete version of battle battlefront 2 as what it looks like it's like all of the updates are all in there 
maybe, yeah, maybe so. not. I'll, I'll, you can keep going, and I'll, I'll read some more details here. Okay. So uh, on the Xbox side of things, the Games with Gold has been announced, and we have Shantae and the Pirate's Curse is going to be from June 1st to June 30th on Xbox One, as well as Coffee Talk is going to be uh, from Ju- June 16th to July, July 15th on Xbox One, and also backwards compatible um, 360 and original Xbox games. So June 1st to June 15th, Destroy All Humans. That's an original Xbox game. And uh, Cinemora, which is a 360 game, is going to be available from June 16th to June 30th. Uh, side note, I have Cinemora because I mean, it was a free game on the Vita. So there we go. And next up, we have a free games uh, for Epic Game Store. So Epic Game Store is going hard with these free games. They are yep. giving away... Uh, they got this mystery vault thing going on, and they're counting down to next week's game. So obviously, they're only getting heavy hitters now. So this week's heavy hitter is a Borderlands: The Handsome Collection, which I believe is Borderlands Two and the pre sequel, if I'm not mistaken. So that's uh, I would, that's I would a- have assumed it was all the Borderlands games, other than three. Um, like one, um, two, pre-sequel? No? I think okay, it's I just those wrong. two. I think it's just those two because I already redeemed it, and those are the only two games that were on my library. Because okay. um, like, I know there was the Handsome Jack collection, which was like one and two. Oh, and this okay. is just called the Handsome Collection, which I think is just like the pre-sequel and two or something like that. So, um, And then also like on the Switch, like I said earlier, like the Switch has like the complete collection or something like that, where it's like one, the pre-sequel, and two. I don't think it includes three. You're um, correct. So, okay, so... It. Uh, oh, about about the Star Wars? Or? Uh, both. Oh, both. So the oh, Borderlands yes. and the Star Wars, yeah. Nice, nice, nice. So basically, yeah, so com- uh, content complete version. That's dope. Uh, so uh, next up here is we have uh, No Man's Sky, which is coming to Xbox Game Pass and Windows PC in June. We keep talking about Game Pass and how it's a good deal in gaming. So mm-hmm. the fact that they got No Man's Sky, it's a good get. Um, especially with all like the the re-releases and the up the content expansions that they've been doing. Yeah, of course. And so Far Cry 5 is going to be free to play this weekend, and the franchise is on sale. So if you haven't checked out Far Cry 5 yet, you'll be able to play it for free on PC this weekend uh, through Uplay. So you have to have another launcher on your PC, um, as well <laughs> as... Uh, so it's just it's a free download, and it's, it's a timed exclusive where you can play it for free until... Um, this Sunday, May 31st, at 1 p.m. Pacific time. So you can also uh, buy the other games in the series, which are discounted up to 75%, all on the Uplay store. So there you go. And next up here, we have a bunch of sales. We got sales on sales on sales here. Uh, there's still The mega sale from Epic Games is still going on. Um, so you can check out, of course, we said Control, which was like IGN's Game of the Year for, for $30. Red Dead, Red Dead Redemption 2 is at $48. Borderlands 3 is down to 30 as well as I see Assassin's Creed's and some Jedi Fallen Orders and Watch Dogs and Shenmue and all these other stuff. You can just check it out. It's all there on the Epic Game Store. And also... Um, we got the PlayStation Store. There's some discounts going on. There's a double discount sale going on, which means that for PS Plus owners, you get double the discount than regular non-PS Plus owners get. So uh, seeing here, uh, Persona 5, the vanilla version, um, is available for $14, as well as I see uh, some Sonic racing games, No Man's Sky, Call of Duty, uh, some some board games, some Uno and Monopoly. I know those are good for quarantine gaming. And as well as a Resident Evil triple pack for $41, which has uh, four, five, and six all in there, all inclusive right there. And um, 
PlayStation put out a deal of the week, which is Dragon Ball Z Kakarot for $36. Nintendo has a sale going on. There's a Mega Man franchise sale happening. So you can see Mega Man 11, the Legacy Collection, the Legacy Collection 2, the X Legacy Collection, the X Legacy Collection 2, as well as the Mega Man Zero ZX Collection. They're all discounted. They're like 50% off on most of them. Uh, Although the ZX Collection uh, is like the most recent title that's just like recently dropped. So the discount is like little less. It's at $22, but everything else is like 10, 15 bucks. Uh, and lastly, uh, there's some also some of the same games that I've already mentioned is also happening the same as well on the Xbox side. Xbox got some sales, uh, but one two things that I did come up uh, that I see is uh, a fighting game, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid for 12 bucks. Uh, I you know I like me my fighting games as well as I can't uh, you know speak highly about South Park. Both the Stick of Truth and the Fractured But Whole are both uh, on discount. And lastly, to round it out is the PS Plus. Uh, there's an eBay uh, deal happening right now where you can get a digital code for PS Plus, a one-year subscription for $33. That's basically almost 50% off. So that is a good snag. I'm probably going to get it because you can just get the code and then add a year to your current uh, subscription. So you can get more PS Plus games all at a nice uh, cheap price there. Yep. Just thank you for all the deals, Lewis. I, I should do that lot. more often too with the, with the <laughs> PS Plus uh, stuff. I, I never remember to do that. I'll, I'll do it this time. Uh, I think in like in 2015, 2016, I would I think I bought like three years worth of PS Plus uh, subscriptions at a, on Amazon for like forty bucks each, just so I can like lay uh, stack them up and then like. Those three years went by really, really fast, and I was like, <laughs> I like there was that one year. I think it was like I don't know what year it was. It might have been 2018, where it's like I got billed by by Sony for 60 bucks, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know, like I was like, I know for a fact that I might, my, I still have another year to go, and I was wrong. And I looked at the receipts, and I'm like, damn. Oh wow. So yeah, yeah. it sucks. Time it sucks. Thankful price. It's time for topic of the show. So uh, I don't have a very uh, set topic of the show today. Like we, we didn't we didn't have anything uh, super planned. Uh, but there is this one new story that came out during this week, which I thought it would, could be a good starting point for a short conversation here. Um, which this was written by Adam Bankhurst uh, from IGN. Sony is reportedly planning a PlayStation Five digital event for as early as next week, kicking off other events that will take place over the coming weeks and months. As reported by Bloomberg, people with direct knowledge of the matter have said the virtual event could take place on June 3rd, but also caution that plans have been in flux and that the date may change. Sony is not expected to review everything about the PlayStation 5 at the first showing, and many more details will arrive with the aforementioned other events. This review will be the next big look at the future of PlayStation, since Sony revealed the PS5's controller, the DualSense, and Epic Games announced and showcased its Unreal Engine 5 demo running live on a PS5. Sony has been relatively quiet on the next-gen front, while Microsoft has already shown the console, controller, and even some third-party titles that will be arriving on the Xbox Series X. This announcement follows previous remarks by Sony CEO Kenichiro Yoshida, who said that we'll be soon be announcing a strong lineup of PS5 games, we covered that last week. Also, while we do not know the official release date of the PS5 besides holiday 2020, Sony has confirmed that the COVID-19 pandemic has not caused any delays, although there very well may be launch shortages. So I figured this will be an interesting point, Louis. I mean, it's it's kind of it, it, it's just a an unconfirmed uh, story, and if anything, we're gonna have the confirmation by next week whether it was true or not, whether we're gonna have PS5 news or not. 
but I just kind of wanted to hear from you and talk a little bit about how you're feeling about next gen. You know, 2020, this is the year where the, the next gen of games uh, was supposed to start. Uh, that is for Xbox and for, for Microsoft and Sony. Nintendo does kind of their own thing now. So it's kind of weird to think of the Switch as either is it next gen or is it not or uh, where does it <laughs> fall there? I, I think Nintendo is operating in like half gens now. So that's kind of how I look at it. Um, but are you are you still excited? Have you been uh, like, are you, are, do you still feel uh, that things are not going to hit by the end of the year? Or how, how are you feeling about it? So, Okay. I think we'll know for sure by Monday whether or not there will be a presentation because I think that's the latest date that they're before they can put out a tweet or something or a press announcement saying, "Hey, our direct is this Wednesday." Because I guess IGN put the date on June on June third. I I heard the rumors that I was reading was June fourth, but mm-hmm. either way, it's just like a one day difference. Um, I feel like all the pomp and circumstances has been like pulled from like Sony and Xbox that or, or Microsoft that like mm-hmm. to the point where like it almost kind of feels surreal that next gen is here or coming like yeah. I don't I don't know like it just kind of feels like all like the like the buzz and everything that I was just thinking about like and how when I think of like what happened how I felt about like the PlayStation 4 and the Xbox one and I was tracking every news article and ever and just seeking out every little thing about like oh my god is like is it going to be like DRM and all that kind of stuff and like that kind of things like I was reading everything and being super hyped and just day, just ready day one and the, and like I remember watching like the February event and like and just you know, ready to ready just to like say, hey, just take my money now. You know that kind of thing. And like, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm just not feeling it right now. I'm just. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's of what it is, but uh, I mean, granted, I know there are bigger uh, problems in the world right now, but at the same time, it just. Um, I, I, I don't know how I feel about this whole situation. Like right now, uh, based off of like the both what uh, Phil Spencer and what this article is saying and stuff is like they maybe I was wrong. I was I predicted that. There was going to be a March release dates for both these consoles, but mm-hmm. maybe they will hit November. You know, um, I'm I'll be there, and just uh, it just kind of feels like right now um, until until I hear something else, I'm just feeling lukewarm. Whereas by this time already, uh, and the last console cycles, I was at a fever pitch already, like in March or April. So yeah, yeah, I th- I think the whole situation that we're in right now in the world is just kind of bringing us down just in in general and i feel very blessed and very lucky to be in the position that i'm in where i'm still working and doing well and um and not really struggling in that sense but so so i don't mean to kind of steal the thunder from uh, or I, that's a weird expression to use but like i don't mean to be here complaining when i know so many people have it much worse um and i'm more or less i'm very happy and i, I do feel genuinely uh privileged to be in the position that i'm in but that doesn't change the fact that there is something that's kind of depressing about just being home all the time you know and not seeing people that you used to see anymore uh, not being able to interact in the ways that you like to interact in the past and i know that that's a bit of a tangent but i'm only saying this because i do think that he has just kind of generally brought down my excitement levels for a lot of things like this and yeah to like be fair, we had house parties and you would talk about this kind of stuff yeah like, yeah for sure um it just feels weird like it feels like i almost wish like I wish that this was happening at a different moment. Uh, I wish that they could have actually... Part of me kind of wishes they could have just delayed the whole thing and this we could have not like even thought much about it un- uh, until things were starting to get a little bit better and, and then things kicked in full gear then. Um, but I understand, you know, that the realities of business and, and the fact that they're prepared to do this and they got to do it as soon as possible to, you know, hit all their financial plans and whatever it is. 
Um, I will say that, yeah, I feel similar to you. I'm not as excited as maybe I wish I was. Um, to be fair, from the beginning, and I think I said this in the podcast too, I felt that way from the beginning as far as next gen uh, because I, I did always feel like this jump was not going to be as big as previous jumps, that um, consoles, new consoles are not as exciting as they used to be in terms of new features and things like that. I My expectations for next gen were set low, right? And I feel like both companies are doing what they can, right? I mean, Xbox is starting to do their monthly showcases and showing a lot of interesting games. And they've showed the console and talked about the console. I think what they're doing with uh, backwards compatibility is great. Uh, PlayStation on the other side has showed the controller and talked about the features of the controller. Uh, They've talked about the console a little bit more. There's a lot of things about it that are exciting. It's just like, it's not enough and it's not in enough of a cadence and in an environment to build that hype, to build that, um, like, you know, that happiness that you get, um, from like seeing these things, uh, in, if it was in like a different setting and, um, yeah, I agreed, you know, in, in a, in a, in a different way as well. I also think that their job is harder because the truth is that I think people are very happy with the current generation of consoles. Like the PS4 is great. Like sometimes I start thinking about it and I'm like, I actually think the PS4 might go down as my favorite console of all time. And that might sound like sac- like sacrilege to like people that are more into the retro stuff. And I-, I like a lot of the retro stuff too. But like when I think of like all the amazing games that I've played on my PS4 um, and just the experience that I have with the console as far as like, you know, watching Netflix and doing all the other things that you, that you do in a console. Um, I, j- I just feel like the overall experience of the console is great. It's still great. I do. I did complain in the past about certain OS issues that I have. I still have them. So those would be, it would be awesome if they could be taken care of, but I'm not yeah. like, yeah, I was going to say, I was just going to piggyback on what you said. And it's like, you know, when I, when I think about it, the PS3 and the 360 at the end of their life cycle showed their age. Whereas like when I think about the Xbox one and the PS4, not as much. Yeah, definitely. Like they're, they're starting to show their age a little bit in some ways, but like, I feel like games like still look amazing, you know, like, like God of yeah, War. Yeah, we just had PS4 Final is... Fantasy. And so we're, I don't yeah. think we're showing their age like that good or like, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, for The Last of Us, Final Fantasy and all these other like technical showpieces and like Ghost like, of Tsushima. Uh, yeah, Ghost of Tsushima. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I mean, I, I don't think like we're, we're like, we're like chugging along, you know? So I think the, the PS3 and the 360s were like, we're struggling just to, just to stay alive and, mm-hmm. and run, run it, let alone run anything. So you're right. People are very happy with their, with their purchases. And it almost kind of feels like they are at a very, very disadvantaged with them, with themselves, because how do you convince people just to, just to upgrade, you know, their machines, you know, let alone the economy when people's financial situations, but even that notwithstanding, it almost, it's already, you gave them a very good product that may yeah, not want to be give up or something on that. Yeah. I feel like the, honestly, I do feel like the PS4 Pro and the Xbox uh, One X, like they are very, still like very high quality products. They don't feel like they're old. They don't feel like they need a replacement. And I think a lot of people, I know like we see a lot of enthusiasts online, right? We see a lot of the the hardcore gamers that buy everything new, that want to be there day one, early adopters. Like that's the majority of the people that we see be very active in the IGN circles and things of the sort. Um, a lot of the people that are listening to the, this podcast probably. And and that's awesome. And I, I don't mean to poo-poo anybody's excitement for it. I'm sure I will get excited too when things actually start getting more concrete um but but at the same time i do think there's an average consumer out there and there's probably a lot of those that are perfectly happy with their ps4 their ps4 pro their xbox one x and 
I don't think those consumers will necessarily want to go upgrade for a while. So I think this is going to be a very interesting generation shift. And I've said this a couple times before. I think this will be a generation shift where the adoption of the new consoles is going to be slower than it has in previous generations. Um, because I, I think... almost kind of say that's going to be 100% true, especially on the Xbox side, especially because everything mm-hmm. is a service now. So, yeah. Yeah, so I, f- I feel like people are going to be perfectly happy with their consoles and they're not going to jump in as fast and that we're going to see a steady transition as you would, for instance, with other types of technology, which is not typically the case with consoles, but like... Um, think about the adoption rate of 4K TVs over the last 10 years. You know what I mean? And how that went from like, like extreme luxury item to now every TV is a 4K TV. Anybody that's buying a new TV nowadays buying a 4K TV, right? But it took a certain time frame for that to happen. It was like a slow burn. Uh, I I feel I feel like that's kind of what this generation transition is going to be like. So it's not going to be as exciting per se, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be bad. Uh, I just feel like we we as console gamers need to kind of get used to the fact that console gaming is changing and that it's becoming more like PC gaming and it's not necessarily changing for the worse. I mean, depending on your opinion, maybe it is, but it's more just becoming a different thing altogether, right? And that's kind of my ultimate, I feel like I can kind of end my take here. It's like, that's kind of my ultimate take of what, how I feel about this um, yeah. transition. So I'm calling it right now, holiday 2022. They're each going to get a hundred dollar price cuts, and that's when you get the adoption. Uh, you yeah. know, hit that hit that fever pitch. Um, but that's usually how it always goes. They're going to announce a new color and and a new price point. Boom, uh, <laughs> sales um, bundles. So, as well. <laughs> uh, so my 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 question here, and I want to just to like you know continue this topic just on one last on one last thing here is like a little mini prediction. Um, who's going to reveal the price first? <laughs> that's such an interesting thing to think about because you can tell that they're kind of waiting on each other right that's what it feels like it feels like they're waiting on each other because they want to undercut each other um i think this generation i think sony is going to reveal the price first really because i was yeah. honestly thinking microsoft was going to reveal first because it feels like microsoft because they've already announced like they're going to do something every month i feel like microsoft already knows the day they're going to reveal the price like mm-hmm. in my head, like they already have like their marketing strategy already mapped out. So I feel like with with Sony always being so coy that they just gonna they're just gonna play they're just gonna lurk. They're gonna mm-hmm. be watching those Twitch streams but not commenting or not <laughs> chatting. <laughs> I just feel like what do on my chat. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes, you you have a point there with like Microsoft. They're you know they're taking the forefront of things so far, but I just feel like. To me, there's something more interesting about the fact that Microsoft has not revealed the price yet than that Sony hasn't. Because Sony hasn't revealed the price, they've also haven't revealed the console itself, like the box. We haven't seen the box. We haven't seen what the PS5 looks like. Um, we've only seen like this, these like beats and bits and pieces of information and and the controller. But the fact that Microsoft, so I feel like it's expected that they haven't showed the price yet. But I feel like when you look at Microsoft and the fact that they've showed the console literally six months ago, and that we have yet to see the price and that they've done multiple like you know streams and showcases and things where they've either talked about the console or the games or whatever they've they've said so much that the fact that they didn't say the price yet to me indicates that they're hiding it <laughs> right or that they're you know they that they're really holding on to it uh, and that they really don't want to go first um so i can say going both ways um Right now, I just like my impression is that whenever Sony has their their full on like PS5 blowout, uh, which might happen on June 3rd or June 4th, bringing it full circle, I think they're going to give it a price. <laughs> I think they're going to give it a price. And I think Xbox, 
I think they can choose when to give the price because they have so many different, um, you know, they have so many different months and so they they have so many different what what are they called? Like I don't I, I keep like failing like to say this because I I don't want to call them directs, but I guess I'll just call them directs. They're gonna be doing so yeah. many directs over the next few months. Inside, they, inside Xbox, yeah. Yeah, there we yeah. go. That they can just drop the price on any of those. Um, By the way, can, both of the both PlayStation and Xbox, like they both updated their websites to basically uh, be ready for pre-orders. Like the pre-order buttons are grayed out. Oh, um, that's cool. So they're they're as soon as a price is as soon as a price is announced, the pre that pre order button is going to go blue. So, mm. all right, well, yeah, I think that's a good right. place to end the topic of the show right there. Yeah, for sure. Anyway, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna keep covering next gen uh, over the next few weeks. I'm sure there's gonna be not a new news stories uh, coming in, but with the with the last few uh, kind of slow uh, news weeks, I, I wanted to make sure to ch- kind of check in and see where your excitement level was at and and how do how we both felt about it. Uh, well, I'm now, pretty sure by next Friday's episode, we're, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation Direct that we that I <laughs> that we all called. So, like, it's yeah. going to be a completely different tone. Yeah, we'll so. we'll, we'll see about that one. Um, and now, uh, let's do uh, sharing the love, Lewis. Uh, so this is a segment that we do every week here on Ready Press Play, where we alternate bringing in games from our past with usually stories surrounding why we love them, and we kind of talk about them and explain why we have an attachment to these. Uh, to these little little works of art that we've encountered throughout our years. So, Lewis, what do you want to talk about today? So, I want to talk about The Lion King. Yes. Um, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It's It might have been a number one at some point, but I'm pretty sure it's been like dethroned a little bit. But it's definitely top five right now for me. It's It's got a very special place in my heart. Um, and I want to talk about the game. So, people always poo-poo like licensed video games. <laughs> and this game is like one of those like... I think it holds up. I've played it recently. I still play it from time to time. I even played it on one of my 24-hour live streams when I did like a charity stream. So I am very much in love with this game uh, in the fact that I think even like by today's standards, I think like the sprites look like the graphics of the movie. Like, like, like I shit you not. Like, I've, when, I, when I'm seeing, seeing that game and I'm playing that game in my, my, my mind, I feel like I'm actually playing the movie. <laughs> um, now, granted, I know it's an overstatement, but uh, especially when I, I know how it looks like. But, like, it, I still have my little kid imagination when I play that game. Um, I played it on the Super Nintendo and on the Sega Genesis. Uh, my cousin had it um, on the Super Nintendo, and I would play it at his house. But then I got a Sega Genesis, Genesis of my own. It was like a hand-me-down. It was like, well, after the fact, I think the PlayStation 1 and the Nintendo 64 were already a thing. Uh, my cousin gave me his uh, Sega Genesis and all his video game collection, like all in one fell swoop. Uh, I think his dad might have had to have like made him give up video games or something like that. I don't know, <laughs> but I was the beneficiary of that of that whole thing. I still kept the Sega Genesis, the exact same Genesis that he gave me i still have it um in working order and i still have the lion king um like i said i play it from time to time and um one of the things that i think i I, I, that's really ridiculous about my genesis is that i didn't really do a good job of taking care of like the power supply like the little outlet Uh because like i would like roll it up like as it was as if it was a game controller you know how you're like you're not supposed to do that and so it created like (laughs) this crease this uh this crease on it and as a result, it, if you try to straighten it out, it doesn't supply any power to the Genesis. Mm. And so the only way I figured out that I had to tape, I had to tape the 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 power outlet like completely like over itself, like a, like a little taco, in order for the power to go through. And <laughs> it was like so ghetto. And I still, I ended up like like as an adult, like realizing, you know, I could just buy another one. And so I bought one of those third party AC adapters, and it works. Um, as far as like the game itself. Um, you play a Simba and uh, you have like this, like you, you jump, you run, and then you kind of like 
attack by like you know like Mario stomping on people. Uh, you have a little roar, and it like it's it's like you know how like Simba roars and as a little kid, and it's like a little like meow kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they did a really good job of like just translating the voices because like you have like the voices of like these little voice clips from like Timon and Pumbaa and like and Simba and it and Scar, and it like it's it's like playing straight from the movie and it's and it sounds pretty dope and I'm I'm a fan of the soundtrack and like I can still hear tunes um, in my head and of course they're they're tunes they're chip tunes of amazing songs in The Lion King so like Akuna Matata and stuff like that and. Um, and the scars theme, uh, damn, I can't even think. It's like I can't even think of it right now. Like, be prepared. Yeah, so, be prepared. Yeah, yeah. So like, they're they're really good, and I, I I like like how dynamic the levels are. Like, there's like a whole there's like a stampede level that's like in 3D, like in faux 3D, and it's like Simba like running towards you kind of thing. And like, there's like you kind of memorize like the path and like the the jumps and stuff. And then um like and then all of a sudden when Simba becomes an adult and you have more combat and stuff, you can actually mm-hmm. like like you know attack people and then your roar actually can can uh like stun people because people get like scared and stuff and it's it's really good it's just like it's just it, it, i i can just play like i play that game and and it's kind of funny it's like one time i brought my sega genesis over to my friend's house just because uh we were just getting on a like a nostalgia trip and then like my friend he was like busy and he had to like tend to something real fast and um like it wasn't really fast, more like thirty minutes. He had to like leave me alone, and so I'm like, you know what? I just popped in the Lion King, and I actually beat the game in one sitting, like real talk. How, how long and was it? I think it was like 30, 40, 30, 35 minutes kind of thing. I just I went in there and I beat the game from start to finish, and like by the time he got back, he saw me uh, hitting hitting like the the end credit scene, and uh, and he was just like he like he was just like because like you actually sat there and beat the Lion King, and I'm like yeah, I'm like so. <laughs> <laughs> now let me ask you, did you did you beat the game in in thirty five minutes because you've played it enough times and you're really good at it, or like meaning like somebody new that's like playing the game for the first time how long do you think they'll normally take to uh, beat the game i think about two hours i think okay. i've seen i've seen when i did the 24-hour live stream like my friend who never played the game he kept dying a lot and getting some game overs i think mm-hmm. uh with me like i memorized everything and like i know exactly how to play and like the timing and stuff and some of the levels aren't actually like some of the levels are a little unforgiving mm-hmm. um i think that's just kind of how like the game design worked back in the day especially because we're in the second genesis area um you know the nes stuff is always about like making game uh, stuff hard uh, mm. on purpose and uh just to make extend play time especially because it's a yeah. short game um but i don't know like for me like i always play the game i play on a normal normal difficulty i never actually tried beating the game on hard difficulty um although i should try it um and i want to give a shout out to like the special bonus levels there's like timon and pumbaa levels where like uh you are like one of them is you're playing as pumbaa and timon is like dropping bugs and you have to eat it but then the the more you eat and the like the the longer you play the faster he starts dropping bugs and it's like <laughs> and it's like really hard and it's like you're trying to like it's like trying to catch like food on a plate kind of thing like and you're mm-hmm. like going left and right really really fast and i would try to go to like, get the highest scores possible and i kind of wish that the game yeah, the game has a cheat mode where you can like you know skip levels and stuff i kind of wish that the game had like a cheat mode where you can go straight to the bonus levels and only play the bonus levels because i always Mm -hmm. wanted to like just rack up a high score on that um and there's different like there's another one where you like play as timon and you have to like 2d platform and get get as many bugs as you can in a certain time limit 
and if you eat a certain bug, it'll kill you, and you're you're, you're just done. And so um, it gives you like one ups and continues the the bigger your score is. Um, overall, I can't I can't I just can't gush enough about this game. It's a I really love this game. You can you can buy it as a, as part of a two pack on the Nintendo Switch because it got re released. Uh, funny enough, I did not buy it. Um, mm-hmm. Although I do want to, like I kind of reasoned to myself because I saw it on a Best Buy one time, and I just reasoned to myself since I already own it on the Genesis, I don't really need to buy it on the Switch. That's kind of like, what I was gonna ask you about because th- this got re released on switch ps4 xbox one as part of like the aladdin and lion king disney classic collection i was going to ask you about that if you had any experience with it like is it just the same games did they do any um like i don't know like anything special to the packaging of it let's let's my understanding is just the roms and i think they did like a rewind feature like i want to say like that's kind of like standard now when they can when you release these roms i think like the Mega Man uh collection kind of made that a standard feature now or either Mega Man or uh a rare replay one of those two made it a standard feature um but yeah like i i i would imagine that that would be like the definitive way to play the game uh, especially because like, you know, like that old hardware doesn't exactly, you know, put out an HDMI signal. So, um, I, I, I have one, I will 100% admit bias, but I think the game holds up. So, all right. Yeah. Cool. That, well, thanks that's my for, story. <laughs> thanks for, uh, sharing Lewis. And I think this is a good time to end. Thank you all so much for joining us for another episode of Ready Press Play. Remember you can reach the podcast at readypressplay at gmail.com or simply at readypressplay on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at the Dan Lima and Lewis. At Chakalaka88. Don't forget to subscribe, give us a review, tell your friends about the show, and all that good stuff. Today we're wrapping up with the Ready Press Play official theme by Joel Perez, aka Waz. Thank you so much. Deuces. <laughs>